This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Ian Lee podcast, hosted by me, Catherine Boyle, of the news. Uh, it's my great pleasure Catherine, to be with you. Sorry, you're not doing the podcast thing, are you? Uh, well, I think you're fine. It's my gig. Well, yeah, yeah, I think you're fine. If you read this letter from the head of the BBC... Oh. <sighs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, mm-hmm. that bit there... Not that bit, that's... Compel that's... me to leave the building. Yes, that's correct, yes. Harsh. Yep, so basically, jog on, love. Okay. Ta-ta. Right, well. Bye! Bang goes the quality control. What an idiot. Hello, dear... Hello, dear listener, this is Ian Lee. Thank you for downloading my podcast. Coming up this week, I argue with a man about a train. It's a big gamble, isn't it, David? You have to sometimes take gambles in life. With quarter of a million pounds of taxpayers' money? Yes. I make a serious announcement. Perhaps you should start wearing button-up trousers. Maybe I should start wearing pants. <laughs> Do you not? Oh, you don't. And I ride a tandem. I, I got it. Go, pedal, pedal. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. This week we got talking about shiwis. What they are, are little plastic devices that clip over a lady's... and it helps them do a wee-wee while standing up. Well, it turns out that two members of my team, one who's quite sensible and posh, own shiwis. Well, it certainly needed to be talked about on BBC Three Counties Radio. Can I just say, if you are just tuning into the programme, I have been reporting on drink driving and the Bilderberg Conference this morning already. I'm a serious BBC reporter, but you gave me this challenge. I have been asking women about shiwis, yes, shiwis, and uh, this is what happened. Madam, this is the big question of the day. This is a, a serious question. There is my badge. I'm from the BBC. <laughs> have you got a shiwi? No, I haven't. Why haven't you got a shiwi? Because I don't need to stand up and I wear because I haven't got a willy. And what do you think about people that, that own these devices? Very strange. Yeah? yeah. Disgusting, maybe? Yes. Yeah. Why do you need to stand up and weigh? Giving women a bad name? <laughs> that a yes? Yes. Thank you very much. Sue, this is a very personal question. Uh, have you got a she-wee? No. Do, do you know what a she-wee is? No. It's a device which enables ladies to go to the toilet standing up. So okay. now, you, now you know what it is. Would you want one? No. <laughs> Now, Sophie, you haven't got one of these shiwis, but you know people that are buying them for, for festivals. Is this right? Yep, I do. They're meant to make it a lot easier for you to sort of go to the toilet in a bush, or which is ideal for a festival, So, because there's not always toilets around. <laughs> if you don't want to queue up, you can just yeah. sort of go behind the toilet. It's and disgusting. I know. But, so you haven't got one yourself? No, I haven't no? got one myself. I haven't been tempted to buy one just yet. No, not just yet, but I'll go to a lot of festivals, so maybe I might be tempted, because it might be quite a good idea for it. The name of the lady, Justin, who invented the shiwi, I have just been told, get this, right? Mm. Samantha Fountain. Oh, that's clever. Isn't that good? There was somebody that I knew once who worked in a post office with the surname of Stamp. There could be a phone-in for you. No. No. No? No. I mean, you wouldn't get this on heart, would you? This would be perfect. There's a reason you wouldn't get that on heart. Yeah, better music mix, yeah. Just saying. It was going really well, Justin, and then you went for the... Sucker punch. Well, you went for the appropriate names thing. Oh, I know a butcher called Tony Lamb. Yeah. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bus driver called Steve Buss. There's a, there's a bloke who works down a pub called John Beer. Is there? Apparently so. Oh, nice one. Somewhere. 
Uh, Luanne's in Flittick. Morning, Luanne. Morning, Ian. You, have you ever used a shiwi? N- not quite. Not, um, not quite? What does that mean? I can't believe I'm about to admit this on Uh-oh. the radio. Um, I actually used my daughter's potty in the car once. Um, I was on the way to, um, oh, well, we were going on holiday, and um, we decided to take the back route instead of the motorway, because I'm not a particularly great motorway driver, especially with kids screaming in the car. Yes. And um, we'd been driving for miles, and I was getting more and more uncomfortable as the journey was going on. And I phoned my mum, and I said, look, I'm going to have to stop somewhere, because I just cannot, I cannot drive anymore. So we spotted a lay-by, and she said, well, just go and squat. And I said, no, I can't do that, because, you know, I just I just can't do that. Yeah. And um, so I kind of got my daughter's potty, positioned it on the driver's seat, which is quite a feat in itself, trying to get underneath the steering wheel. Yeah. Trying to get your trousers down. You weren't driving at the time, were you? No. No, OK, that's... OK, right, just, just checking, yeah, yeah. Well, just as I'd kind of got to that position, oh. a lorry pulled up. Oh, no. <laughs> beside the car and saw everything. Oh. I've never been more mortified in my whole life. My oh. mum was absolutely killing herself with laughter in the car. I've never seen her laugh so much. I thought she was going to keel over and have a heart attack. Was she in the car with you? No, she was in the car in front. Okay. But she saw it all kind of... Ha- she saw this drop <clears throat> lorry pulling up behind us. Yeah. And she could see exactly what was going to happen. And this guy had this front row view. Oh, dear. <laughs> what a front row. Having a shiwi then probably would have been a little bit more discreet than this great big pink potty sitting on the front seat of the car. So, so, I, I once had to do, almost did a similar thing, Luanne. I was stuck in such bad traffic on the North Circular around London, uh, and I was so desperate for wee. It was that kind of thing where I'm sweating and I'm actually in pain, and yeah, I thought yeah. I'm in trouble. And what I had was one of those big one-litre bottles of water, except there was a, it was a third full, so there was water in it, right? <laughs> So I had to make the decision, do I, do I drink this water and make the situation worse, but then it gives me something to go in? I did. I drank the water, so I'm even fuller, and I'm in traffic and I'm driving, right, and it's moving very slowly, and I... Uh, I think I can say this on breakfast radio. Come on, I have. I've just admitted. I, I, I can say this carefully, OK? I put a coat over my lap, I undid my trousers, <laughs> I... I assumed the position, okay? It was all, everything was, was teed up, ready to go. And then just at that minute, uh, there was a break in the traffic and I could pull over. And I pulled over, I parked illegally, I managed to jump out and go behind a bush. But everything, everything was in position for a takeoff. But the thing is, though, is that you've got a little bit more kind of yep. dignified way of going. Well, yeah. You know, you can hide it a little bit, whereas we, I, I couldn't. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It was announced this week that Birds of a Feather is returning after 15 years' absence. This time on... Hey, Justin, you're right. I'm just... To read the the scripts for the podcast? Sorry? Uh, Cashman told me to come in and read the scripts. No. Uh, No, that's a mistake. I'm doing it. sure? Yeah, I'm doing it this week, Justin. I thought it was me. No, it's, um, if you... It, I thought um, it was friends. That's pushing it a bit. I'm doing it this week, so it's very kind of you, really? but you go off and, and look at your hits from 1967 for that show you do on a Sunday. Last chance? Th- thank you very much. Cheers, uh, Just. Thanks. <clears throat> you, you can go now. Yeah? Yep. Bye. Okay. But... Birds of a Feather is returning after 15 years. Why would anyone want to watch that tosh? 
There was something like, I think, I may have got this wrong, 150 episodes of Birds of a Feather. Don't people realise it was rubbish? It wasn't funny. You had Leslie Joseph playing, well, she, she was the old tarty one, wasn't she? What was her, I don't even remember her name, Doreen or something? Noreen. Noreen. Nolan. What was it? Stephen Nolan. What was her name? Dorian. Dorian. That was it. Dorian. Thank you. That's producer Tara there. Were you a fan of it, producer Tara? Did you, did you enjoy the, the Birds of a Feather? Was it your thing that you used to watch? I used to watch it a little bit. Because there was nothing else on. <laughs> oh, see, that's a sad... Why don't you turn the TV off and go and read a book or go and make love or go for a walk in the countryside? Um, I was living at home with my mum and dad at the time. That would have gone down too. That would have certainly... Uh, just telling this off, mum, we're going to... No, that would have been awkward. But it wasn't funny, though, was it? There were bits of it that were funny. I used to quite like it when Dorian came through the kitchen door wearing something ridiculous. A bit learning, of lycra with her hair heavily permed. I'm learning so much about you. One, that you own a shiwi and you look quite respectable. Two, that you found birds of a feather funny. Disappointed on both counts. It, it, it changed, though, when the men came out of prison. They had to stay in prison. You see, that's the thing. They jumped the shark, I believe, is the phrase. Why would anyone... Birds of a feather, it will be coming back. It'll be on ITV. Birds of a feather. OK, let's go through the list of unfunny sitcoms, shall we? Adam Glynn can wait for this. Birds of a feather. Um, keeping up appearances. Hello, hello? Are you serious? And two I always like to throw into the mix. Forty Towers. And um, Del Boy, Only Falls and Horses. Rubbish. You plonker, Rodney. Sibyl! Sibyl! Manuel! Ah! Utter, utter tosh. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. The cost of Aylesbury Vale District Council fighting the high-speed rail link, HS2, could reach a quarter of a million pounds if councillors approve an increased spending plan. Well, to date, the council spent £150,000 challenging the scheme, but in July they'll decide on whether to spend a further £100,000. What do you think about this? Is this a good uh, way to spend money? 08459 455 555. David Thompson is from Aylesbury Vale District Council. He joins me now. Uh, David, but we hear big numbers like 150 grand being spent to date. Where has that money gone? Good morning to you. Excuse me. The money has already been spent uh, on uh, technical experts, which are engaged by the 51 group, which is a group of councillors up and down the line opposed to this uh, this, uh, this uh, pro- project. Uh, the example for the work that has been done is alternative proposals that would help meet the extra capacity on the existing rail network. The government says is required. Um, this this alternative is known as the optimised alternative, which we believe the government has not adequately considered. The uh, other half of the funding has been used to challenge the government's proposals through the High Court and the Court of Appeal. What are you hoping to achieve with all this? What are you hoping to achieve out of this, David? Well, we're hoping to achieve. What we're hoping to achieve is to stop this project. It's not going to happen, is it? I don't believe that to be the case. I think there are very many uh, issues, costs uh, associated with this project uh, that are still unknown. Do you do you, do you seriously think, David, that by spending th- this money, you, you can actually stop? HS2 happening. Surely the best you can do is just postpone it slightly. I think that's going to be one of the things that we're looking to do, but the long-term aim has you have to have a goal, and the long-term aim obviously is to stop this. There's no business case. The business case for this project doesn't stack up. There's a growing body of opinion even amongst MPs now who accept that this is the case. And also the environmental case is also now subject to a lot of questions. What's this extra £100,000 going to to allow you to do? The um, extra £100,000 
is not going to be used to uh, on the Court of Appeal, or, well, sorry, not the Court of Appeal, but yes, the fight to the appeal uh, that we have for the judicial review that we were, we were rejected on. The next stage is about negotiating and what's called petitioning. This is a hybrid bill, and the next stage of the, the, the bill is to petition. Basically, so you're going to be negotiating? Well, you, over you have, HS2? You have, no, no, you don't negotiate over HS2. So who are you negotiating if, with? If, you, if, as you said, sorry to cut across you there, if, as you said, this project does go ahead, and I believe there are a lot of ifs still to be, you know, this, I don't believe that will be the final outcome of this, but should it go ahead, the next stage of this hybrid bill is what's called negotiating and petitioning. Petitioning is the, now the opportunity we have to put forward the mitigation should the government still persist in going ahead. So, so uh, let me get this right. Case. Let me get this right. So you spent £150,000 in an attempt to stop HS2 happening. We, sorry, sorry, can I just contra- contradict you there? We are still spending 100, we, ha- we have spent £150,000 to still try and stop this Yes, going that's ahead. what I just said. That's not a contradiction. That's, that's backing me up. You, you, you intend to spend another £100,000 uh, if your initial bid to stop HS2 going through doesn't work, and that £100,000 is negotiations with ways to make HS2 slightly better. Is that correct? No, not, to make, not, not to make HS2 slightly better. I suppose if you What's it for, then, David? H- well... It's not to make HS2 better, it's to, but it's mitigate, to, it's it's to mitigation for our residents that they have. This is the one opportunity we as a local authority and the residents So the £100,000 isn't to stop HS2 being built? No, not at all. So, so OK, so, the, the part of you does believe that you can't stop HS2. That no, no, I don't believe that. Then why are you I spending... You uh, David, 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 you're, you're contradicting yourself. Well, you know, if I'm you not, believe... If you, if, let me, if you let me... No, I want to clarify this, because you're... you're, you're go- what the, what the OK, you can is. speak in a second. I want to clarify this, because we're going around slightly in circles. The hundred, if you believe that you can stop HS2 happening, why would you spend £100,000 to negotiate, renegotiate HS2? We're not renegotiating HS2. But what are you renegotiating, David? I'm confused. Well, if you let me explain... I'll Please do. You. What we are doing is we're going to be going petitioning, and this is, as I said, the one... Who, you mentioned the word negotiate. Who are you negotiating with and what about? We will be negotiating the, we'll be negotiating the mitigation factors required. What does that mean in English? improve the line so that the residents are least affected by this project should it go ahead. So you will be negotiating if HS2 goes ahead. That's what this £100,000 is being spent on. That would be the case. Apologies. I thought that's what I said. Perhaps I I didn't make it clear enough. So you are throwing... I'm making it clear to your your listeners, and I just want to make that point. I I don't know if you are, but, but... So you are kind of admitting defeat, then. If you're going to throw another £100,000 to negotiate HS2, you are kind of admitting that the £150,000 to stop HS2 was wasted money. I see this as an insurance policy. You take out insurance for when something happens that is going to be catastrophic or whatever it might be to the family or yourself. This is exactly the same. I see this as an investment that we actually are spending this money to ensure that we mitigate should this line go forward. I think it's quite a sensible thing to do. So you're not very confident you can stop HS2? Sorry? You're not very confident you can stop HS2, then? I'm absolutely confident it'll be stopped. Then why would you spend £100,000? If you're confident you can stop it through your initial act, why would you then spend another £100,000? We have to go through the process, because if we don't go through this process, we are, this is the government-led process, we have to go through this process. If we don't put anything in, we are basically admitting defeat that it is a fait accompli. Now, yes, it could be, I don't believe it to be a fait accompli. I hear what you're saying. It is a contradiction in terms. Yes, it seems to be a contradiction in terms. I'm sure many listeners will feel it is a contradiction in terms. 
But as I said, it's an insurance policy. Should it go forward, this is the one and only opportunity we have under the hybrid bill. This is the one opportunity, us, residents of the Vale, and everybody else up and down the line, have an opportunity of having their say to mitigate against this daft proposal. Okay, so just to clarify before we move on, you're not completely confident that you can stop the HS2 proposal? There's always got to be an element of doubt. We're dealing with people who... This is a hybrid bill. This is the first time okay. ever in the history of the So you're not completely confident that you can stop well, the HS2? I, in my heart of hearts, I am confident. As I said, we have an insurance policy. Prepared to know, throw another £100,000. Yeah. At what point... How much do you spend on this, David, before you, you admit defeat? I think that very much comes back from... Will come about... We'll have to make that decision when we get the results from the appeal. And the but appeal you, is expected to come back in July and August. So you, you, you could spend potentially a quarter of a million pounds uh, so. and possibly more than that? I think we, we would obviously have to go back and rethink should the, should the government decide that this is actually going ahead and we lose in the Court of Appeal. I, I believe that the Court of Appeal, that we, the, the appeal that we are going uh, forward with with other authorities and also other bodies uh, has a lot of merit and therefore it will have to be discussed. If you spend all of this money, a quarter of a million pounds plus, and it makes no difference whatsoever, how do you think the locals will feel at having their money wasted? Probably not very happy, but I believe it is money well spent. We have to try and do what's best for our residents, so that we, we <coughs> excuse me, um, that we have to, so we achieve the long, the best long-term benefit for our communities and the local environment. Quarter of a million quid uh, that could uh, fix potholes. That could that could do so many things in a local community, and you could just be throwing it away. I'm very glad you mentioned that because, quite frankly. We all know that. I mean, this, the 51M stands for £51 million for each parliamentary constituency up and down the length of the, of the UK. Now, you imagine the Bucks County Council have said that they need in the order of something, the order between 130 and £150 million to bring the roads back now, to bring the roads back to some decent level of um, uh, maintenance. Now, if we had, we have, what, five parliamentary constituencies in Bucks, not including the two in, in Milton Keynes, that's seven. Seven fives are 35 million, 350 million. A lot of that money could go towards sorting out the problem. Well, also, back, back, to, back to the question, which you, you seem to have ignored or maybe didn't hear. The quarter of a million plus that you're spending could be used to fix roads, could be used to make local communities better, and you could be throwing it away. The, yes, there is that opportunity. There is that possibility. I have to accept that. But I believe it's going it's to be a big money gamble, well, isn't it? well spent in beating this. It's a big gamble, isn't it, David? You have to sometimes take gambles in life. With quarter of a million pounds of taxpayers' money? Yes. You're prepared to gamble that? I'm prepared to gamble that because I believe that the, end of the, the odds are stacked in favour of us winning. But as I said, we need to have that insurance, po- insurance policy should we not win. And if you don't win, David, and, and the money has been uh, uh, chucked behind a bush, w- would you like to come on air and apologise to the taxpayers? Um, I don't think I need to apologise. I think we're doing the best, as I said earlier, for the long-term benefit of our communities and local environment. And that means we have to spend the £100,000 as well, should it go ahead, to, to make sure the mitigation is right. Because, after all, the west side of Aylesbury, outside of the London urban areas, is probably the most, the most area that's going to be affected by this, this railway line. It's going to run within one to one and a half miles of that area. David, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. I hope you, you feel you got your point across. David Thompson from Aylesbury Vale District Council. Quarter of a million pounds plus. They've spent 150 grand. Going to probably spend another 100. Could spend more. Well, is that good value for money? I suspect, and what do I know, I suspect the best they can hope for is to delay things slightly, which would then cost all of us even more money.
It's not going to stop it. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, you are, listen, I'm, uh, do you want me to talk for a bit? Because you're puffing, you're huffing. I'm a little out of breath. I saw, as I was doing the news, I saw you rushing past that window. Yes. Into the studio next door, where no doubt you um, rollocked my team, rightfully so. You're t- no, I what? wouldn't rollock your team, they're oh. lovely. In fact, they helped me out. If it hadn't been for your team Sorry. printing my, my paper, I wouldn't be here now. Well, you have permission to rollock them any time you want. Oh. You do, you do. You have, you, you, you do. You have, a, you have a, a hall pass, I believe it's called. Oh, right. A hall pass to, to rock them whenever you want. Right. Yeah, I just think... Just for anything. Why not? Oh, OK. You, we're the talent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you forget it, girls. There we go, look at that, not even paying attention. <laughs> not even paying attention. <laughs> Unbelievable, how rude. How rude. Uh, anyway, it's lovely to see you. Looking very, very smart as always. Thanks very much. It's going to be a summery day today. Is it? I've got no idea what the weather's like. Yes, it's looking rather nice out oh. there, a little toasty. Yay. I think it might be a day for you going home and uh, going... sunbathing your lallies. <laughs> what are lallies? My... Your legs. Oh, are they? Yes. I thought they were my... No. Oh, good. <laughs> I would never sun... wouldn't sunbathe those. Sunbathe those. I caught those in a zip yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. It, it's that, you have to make the decision of when you... Because you have to just yank that zip back down, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's, it's never happened to me. Has it not? No, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, all constantly getting my lallies, what I think lallies are, not what you think, <laughs> caught in uh, the old zippetage. It does... Really? Yes. You should, perhaps you should start wearing button-up trousers. Maybe I should start wearing pants. <laughs> that might be it. Do you not? Oh, you don't. Do you? Oh. Oh, how awful. Thank you very much indeed. Well, it was very exciting this week when we found out that Miss England came from Beds, Hearts or Bucks and will be representing us in the Miss World competition. Well, I spoke to Justin Dealey, who was a uh, big fan... I said I can come in and help you with the podcast or something. The, 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 do you mean the podcast, Ollie? Oh, I think the podcast, yeah, whatever No, Kath, Kath has misled you, my love. If you'd like to go back out and do the cleaning out in the hallway... I'll come back later if you need me. No, I, I actually won't need you. That's a guarantee. Thank you very much, Ollie. Anyway... Justin Dealey was a big fan of Miss World and thought it was just a bit of harmless fun. I completely disagree with him. It's, it's the lowest of the low. It's very, very tacky, but that's why we love it. Look at the TV shows that we like. Now, we both love that TV show filmed in Luton, Splash. Very, very yes. tacky, but equally what? as wonderful to watch. No, 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 hang on a second, because in Splash, we are seeing people learn a skill. They're learning mm-hmm. something. They're learning how to dive. With Miss World, and I'm not in any way denigrating uh, Miss Hazelwood, who, who's going to represent us at all. Hesselwood, actually. Hesselwood, if you don't mind. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> well, you've done your research. I have, yeah. You never normally. Why have you researched yeah, this story so it's thoroughly? It's the purpose of the BBC, you know. Uh, uh, we, uh, for Miss World, it, all it is is hot girls... Yeah. ...in dresses... Yeah. ...or in bikinis, mm. always in a sash... Yeah. ...and also, the girls... Hazelwood, Miss Hazelwood is very attractive... But quite often you see better-looking women at bus stops. That is very, very true. But, you know, when it comes to these competitions, surely they learn how to carry themselves. And I find it very suspicious, actually, that um, we are surrounded by women at BBC Three Counties Radio. And when this came up yesterday, not one person said, oh, should we have her in the studio? Mm, just a little bit suspicious. Some women find these competitions very, very offensive.
offensive, and I don't know why. Are I don't you, know why that is. Are you suggesting that the women who work here, who may or may not be beautiful, it doesn't matter because they, they do blooming good work, almost yeah. as good as some of the men that work here. Exactly, yes. Are you suggesting that they may be... That, what, they're jealous? What, what's, what point I'm are you making, Dealey? If this would have been a man, this person would have been booked to come in the studio today, but yesterday, when it was suggested about her being from Hertfordshire, no, nah, let's just do it on the phone, shall we? No, no, no. I said, why don't we get her in the studio? Oh, we can take a photograph with Ian. We can put it on Facebook. It's it's a big international story, this. No, no, no. no. They, 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 let's just do it on the phone. No, you, let's get her in the studio. You really are... Um, Justin, with your with your smokes and your attitudes to women, oh. you really are a sexist pig, aren't you? No, not at all. I think you're talking about yourself there. However, um, I have been on the streets of Hertfordshire. I've been asking the ladies, are beauty pageants outdated? The very fact that you said, I've been asking the ladies. <laughs> Come on. That would, that would back up the statement I just made. I have been asking women on the streets of Hertfordshire, are beauty pageants outdated and a disgrace to women? And here's what they had to say. Yes, I think they are. I think it's because there's more to people than just how they look and um, how they're dressed. And uh, I don't think it's right to to judge someone just on appearance. So when you see these photographs in our newspapers, does that offend you? Do we really need to have to see people who make every other women feel inferior, maybe? They're not a disgrace, they're just very dated. From the 70s and 80s, I think. I don't like them, personally. So you think we should move on? Yeah, time sure, to scrap something, them something different, something to do with, I don't know, something bigger and better, not yeah. all about beauty, because everybody's beautiful. doesn't matter, does it? So these pageants just stuck in the past? They are very stuck in the past. Very, very. I think I remember pictures from the 50s yeah. that my mum showed me, <laughs> and even then it's a bit like, oh, my God. Yeah. But now, no, no. I just I think you can find beauty in other ways. I honestly think there's very pretty girls and a lot more better stunning people than that. So you think it is a bit outdated then? Yes, very. Mm. Just outdated. I wouldn't say disgraced. A little bit. But it, it doesn't bother me. It, and it never has when I was younger. But I mean, if they've got it, you know, flaunt it. As long as you don't expose yourself too much. But it doesn't bother me. I don't watch it. What, how does it further the cause for women, Justin? What does it achieve, apart from going, hey, if you're really, really slim and quite good looking, then you can wear a crown? Well, it gives you recognition, surely. For what? Well, we... For, for, for being somebody who holds themselves well, who, who's beautiful. You could say that about any model. You could say, well, what, why is somebody, if you walk down into your local high street, you've yeah. got all the shops there, all the major brands, I don't know, Marks and Spencer's H&M, you could say to somebody, well, why is that person in the shop window? W- what are they getting from that? Because there are better looking girls at the bus stop. You could have the same argument for that, surely. I like big butts and I cannot lie. I think I'm <laughs> quoting Cat Stevens from 1972 there. I like shapely women. Well, these yeah. aren't real women that we're seeing in Miss World, Justin. Why are they not real women? Well, I mean, I, I'm looking at the other photographs here, and she's a very curvy lady. She, she's not. She's not. She's a size not. Cur- she's, Daily, a cur- she's not curvy. No, I'm looking at other photographs. Oh, I'm like actually going to fall out with you this morning. Why? Because she's not curvy. She's not a real woman. We're, we're not talking about somebody who's a size zero. Who, right. who young children will look at and say, "Oh, that she, she's so skinny. I want to be like that." She, she's not incredibly skinny. Not, let's, let's, she's let's an attractive not, woman. Let's not. She is an attractive. Let's not focus on curvy. Let's generalise this. Yeah. But I, I think you're outdated, Justin. And I think, I think this morning that more people are going to phone in and support me than you. 08459 455 555. We shall see. We shall see. And at the end of the show, we'll decide who's right. Mm, in the car park, nine o'clock. Sweet. On The Breakfast Show, I bring you quirky stories and breaking news. In fact, I have the power to interrupt the news. 
just because I can. And in Rugby Union, the British and Irish Lions play their final warm-up match ahead of Saturday's first test against Australia at 10.30 this morning. They're taking on the Brumbies in Canberra uh, in what wing Shane Williams says will be the toughest match of the tour so far. Of course it's going to be difficult, but with professional rugby players, we've all got to make sure that we're fully prepared mentally for this game because, you know, we don't want to let anybody down. We want to go up there and give it 100%. It's going to be tough, but we're fully prepared to give it our all and do what we do best, really. It's your job. It is. It's, it's, It's good... It's going to, sorry, have you not finished? Um, that's your latest news yeah. and sport. More for me in half an hour. It's going to be tough. Yeah, that's your job. So what, don't you just do it. If you don't, if it's too tough, why don't you go and do another job? Yeah, go, go and work in Tesco's or something. You think you're up to it? Oh, it's going to be tough. This your job. It's rugby. Just do it. Mentally prepared. You're very brave when they're in Canberra. Yeah, I didn't even know what sport it was until he said the word rugby. Um, now, I want to work with you, Boyle. Yeah, go on. What's this I hear about you only working a two-day week, you're not in for the rest of the week? Yeah. Why? Um, my mother-in-law... Here we go, listen to this, I can hear your brain working up an excuse, <laughs> go on. My mother-in-law yeah. has gone on holiday. Oh, so you Which have... I think is an outrageous thing to do. So you so have to have some I'm time lum- off. I'm lumbered with looking after my own children. Oh, you shouldn't have got pregnant then, should you? <laughs> it's your I'm fault. not moaning about it, I'm quite pleased but you only had some time off a couple of weeks ago i'm allowed oh because you're a woman no because it's my allocation oh right sorry about that anyway (laughs) across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio Uh, if only if only i had the power to play a jingle in the office when she was talking to me and shut her up. If only. Unfortunately, I don't. I can't stop her talking upstairs. That's the problem. Two day a week, Catherine went off to look after some kids, so Serena had to step in to read the news. Don't worry, she didn't get off lightly either. Slash three counties. Now, uh, Serena, how tall are you? About 5'4". OK, would you... 160 centimetres, oh, I should say. No, let's don't. Let's get metric. No, let's keep it in old we're money, not please. In, we're not in the Philistine area now, are we? The, the Philistine the area. Area, area. Area, area. Come on. Area. Yes, come on, then. Would you go out with a man that was shorter than you? No, but I've been out with one similar size to me. Would you, would you mean... What, what? Similar? Same? Smaller? Taller? What? I try not to look most of the time, because it's, you know, for a woman you like to feel protected, don't you, to a certain degree... How can you not look at the man you're going out with? Well, it's easy sometimes, isn't it? You get distracted, look around and stuff. Right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Serena. Unbelievable. She never makes any sense. That's who reads your news. You can ring me any time on The Breakfast Show, 08459 455 555. Between the hours of 6 and 9 in the morning, it's a breakfast show. You can ring to discuss the hot topics we're talking about, or you can go through the papers with me. Dave, can I go off on a slight tangent with you? Yeah, you, go a, on. yeah you always do. I know. There's a story in the Express I thought you might be interested in. Oh, yeah, go on. Councillor who says he had baby with alien lover defies calls to quit. Oh, yeah. A married yeah. politician has claimed he fathered a love child during an affair in space with an alien woman called Cat Queen. Oh, really? Yeah, this is a real bloke as well. There's hold, a pic- on, hold on, hold on, there's a spaceship coming through with E.T. on it. He's waving at me. Yeah, E.T. phoned home. E.T. phoned yeah. Labour councillor Simon Parks, 53. He admitted his wife, Jackie, was not pleased when he told her about the extraterrestrial baby he had, uh, and he said it was named Zarka. 
Oh, he, yeah. he, he claims he has sex with the alien for... This is a counsellor! Um, well, all right, carry on. He says he has sex with the alien four times a year. What will happen is we will hold hands and I will say, I'm ready. Then technology I don't understand will take us up to a craft orbiting the Earth. My wife find, found out about it, was very unhappy. That caused a few problems, but it's not on a human level, so I don't see it as wrong. Oh, good, good. Yeah, it's E.T. going back again now. But the thing is, well, as the lady said yesterday on the radio regarding something else, they should have bring back the hanging, but... It's just one other little thing. Hang on, you want to hang, hang this counsellor just for making love to an alien, Dave? Come yeah, on. Listen, well, love knows no racial or intergalactical boundaries. But hold on, Ian, just talking about papers, the Daily Express two weeks ago said... Yeah. Scientists have said... Yes. Two pints a year a beer yeah. can, and can cause you all these cancers. Oh, blimey. Uh, two pints a year can cause all these cancers. So, hang on, we should have... This, I'm, we're, we're, I'm going to tie all these stories up in a nice, neat bundle. So, yeah. therefore, we should have a zero tolerance because it means there'll be less accidents on the roads, yeah. uh, there will be um, uh, less chance of people getting cancer, and there'll yeah. be less chance of Labour councillors from having it away with women from another planet called the Cat Queen. And it'll save all these police officers going around stopping all these drink drivers and getting on with dealing with proper crime. Boom. Last week, we did a phone-in about whether cyclists are a menace on the roads. Ian, uh, I, uh, Ian, Ian, Kath told me to... I could read this thing to out later on. So, who's this? This is Dennis, the grumpy one. Dennis from Dunstable? Yes. What, what are you doing... How did you get through onto the... What, what are you, sorry, what did you say? I said, Kath said that I could read this up to out. No. No, th- th- that's not happening, Dennis. Sorry, she m- she misled you. Sorry. Yes. Yes. So she misled me. Misled you. Oh, I thought we said you misread me. No, she. Mi- she. I'm I'm trying to link into the piece where Justin and I went out on a tandem. Yes. Do you want to hear it? Yes, I do. Here it is. Good morning, I'm Susan. I work for Site Concern Bedfordshire. This is our tandem bike. There are some social etiquette stuff you need to remember. When you're on the front, you never accuse the person behind of not pedalling. They get really offended, and then they will stop pedalling, and you'll notice the difference. You never spit, because it'll blow backwards. Okay? And try and make sure you give them warning of the corners, because you need to lean, and the guy at the back will need to lean as well. But apart from that, I think you're going to be fine. Go steady. Did you all get that? Yes, we did. Right. It should be fun. Mark, come and, come and tell us. First of all, you, you, this site concern is, is, helps blind people. Why on earth have you got a bike? Well, the idea, and I've worked here ten years, I can't believe I didn't think of it before, is that... Could you stop moving on the back? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> cigarettes to Kelly. The whole idea is that the person on the, on the back can be blind, partially sighted, it doesn't matter. As long as they can pedal... They can actually get exercise. You look like a teenager on a grifter. Yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> shall, we, shall we have a I, I used to have a grifter. I used to have a grifter. Yeah, oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shake on that. OK, right. Any tips for, for pulling off? How do you pull off, Mark? Well, when I did it, I just kind of tried to get up to speed as quickly as possible so that we didn't fall off. OK, ready? Countdown. You ready? OK. You ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Go, 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 go. Ped. No, no you've got to pedal. Pedal. Yes, pedal at the same ah! time. Why? Oh, what's going on with the gears? Hang on. Whoa, pedal. <laughs> I got it. Go, pedal, pedal. Let's go. Pedal. Look out, Kelly. We're going to turn left. That's it. We're going to go straight. Hey, this is all right. This is quite good. We are cycling through Luton on a bicycle. In the middle of the road. In the middle of the road. Well, it would be on the road, Kelly. Yeah, but in the middle. And uh, I'm really starting... I don't know what cyclists have got a problem about. I'm enjoying this. This is really good fun. I can't run anymore. They've outwilled me. There's currently two grown men riding down the road on a tandem. 
looking a bit silly. They're about six foot eight, and the bike's about, I don't know, quite small. Hi, can you just quickly tell me what you've just witnessed? I've just seen two people on a bike. <laughs> two of them on the same bike? Yes. They look a bit silly? Yes, they do look silly, yeah. Would you go on a bike like that? No, I wouldn't. No. They're Muppets. <laughs> Justin, you ready? Yeah, push, ready, push, 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 pedal. Ah! Go, 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 go. Go, mind that car. There we go, this is it. Right, we're going to do a right turn, Clyde. Signal, signal. <laughs> Do we, as a, a young lady, do we yeah. look cool? You look, it's the coolest I've ever seen you both look. Can we pop a wheelie, Justin? How far are we going to have to do this for? Well, we'll be going for about ten minutes now. I'd say another, what, five minutes? Okay. I'm doing this all day. <laughs> oh, look out! <laughs> uh, to be honest, it, it, to, be, to be completely serious about this, um, I think I can see some of the pressures that cyclists face because... Uh, a lot of the drivers haven't stopped for us. They haven't given us uh, the respect we deserve. Um, and it can be tough being on a bicycle. You're not pedalling, are you? He's you're not! Going... He's not pedalling! What are you pedalling for? About two minutes. I tell you what, you can drive it home. I'm off. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. A survey revealed that a significant number of women wouldn't go out with men if they were tiny. Now, I'm six foot three. I class tiny as anything under five foot eight. I spoke to Lisa Moore. She's the owner of an introduction website called Tempting Fate. Good morning, Ian. Is your, now, your agency, is it online where people can tick a little box of, no. of the height? No, no, we interview everybody. We do Ooh. have a website, of course, but then we do um, interview people before we can take anybody on. And do you allow short men on your books? <laughs> It's not a question of allowing, it's a question of what we have at the time. I mean, most of our females are over 5'7", although, having said that, we have broken the mould and we have some very short females of 5 foot, etc. So we can take short men on. Short, I would say, would be under 5'7". We've had a couple of men who are 5'5", five five, and oh, we have dear. helped them. Yeah. But we have to be careful not to take too many on. Now, isn't that interesting you say that? What, why do you have to be careful about not taking too many short men? Because I personally wouldn't take somebody's money as a bona fide professional agency if I didn't think I could help them. And the majority of our girls are 5'7 and above, and so they do want usually a man who's up to six foot tall. So you're, you're very good if you're just a plus on that. <laughs> do, do, and do, do women, when they come in and, and you interview them, do they say, look, no one under 5'8", please? They usually say they want somebody six foot. Right. It's right. not under a certain height. And when I sort of say, well, what about somebody your own height? And then we talk around the issues of, you know, it's not imperative to, hum- to have somebody taller. And of course, a lot of girls like to wear heels, which makes them even taller. Uh some short men, obviously, are very successful with women. I'm t- thinking, of course, of uh, Tom Cruise yeah. and that, that wee fella off of um, Fantasy Island. So some are very successful. Is it because Tom Cruise is a multimillionaire actor or does he have a certain X factor? <laughs> I think a lot of it's got to do with who he is. Um, you know, that represents, like, Rod Stewart. He's always gone for statuesque blonde, yep. hasn't he? And I think it's who they are, the power of that person, and, of course, money does have a lot to do with it. It's amazing how that can change somebody's mind. Short men always uh, feel the need to 
show off a bit, I find, as well. The, the short man syndrome, where they have to be a little bit louder and a bit try, try and appear bigger than they actually are. Yes, um, but I mean, we, the, the short men that we've helped have been really good, mm. very well dressed, they've come across well, um, and I've told them, they know very well, they say, well, we know that, you know, my height's against me, will you be able to help me? I don't want to get, most of them don't want to go out with a girl that's taller than them. Oh. So, um, you know, they, as long as we can find shorter ladies, as I've said, I've got a couple of ladies at the moment who are five foot um, five foot one, so they're perfect, and they in turn don't want to meet a very tall man. <laughs> so it's all swings and roundabouts, as with all human beings, they're all different. UFOs, that they have to exist, don't they? They have to exist. It's mathematically, there have to be other life forms out there. Well, Leslie's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Leslie. Hello. Now, Leslie, you work at the airport. Yes, I do. So, so do you see many strange things hovering around? Um, I've seen two lots. We actually saw something Wednesday night oh. at 21.05 hours. Now, hang on a minute. That's 19, eight, uh, five minutes past nine. That's right. Yeah, we go. OK. What did you um, see? My colleague called me upstairs. He was looking out the window because we do various patrols and things. And it was just a big oblong sort of shape, but it was really bright. And we just stood there looking at it. He said, well, that's not a plane, because, I mean, we see them all the time. Yeah. And then both the sides of it just went right in the middle, and it, like you squeezing a squeeze box in, and it vanished. But it stayed there for about 20 seconds. And did you but speak to any other people who, who saw this? I asked Maggie the cleaner, because she was up cleaning the offices. She goes, oh, why didn't you shout me? You I should said, have shouted oh, for Maggie. The Maggie floor. the cleaner, come a UFO! I know. Come down! I've You'd seen something six years ago as well with the engineers, because I, I work night shift, you see. Yeah, go on. And I was doing another patrol at a different hangar, and me and three other engineers, we saw these discs going really quickly over the hangar. Yeah. And pff, they couldn't work it out, and one of them had been there for 30 years, so it was just really weird. And did you go and speak to the air traffic control or, or someone in authority who could yeah, verify this? Yeah, one of the pilots, he's seen things. Really? And I've also spoke to one of the SDOs at the airport who said that, yeah, they've seen a couple what, of things. What did the pilot see? Yeah, a pilot seen um, a disc. He was telling us what? he was flying back from... What, in the sky? Yeah. It wasn't just a disc. All right, it, was, it, was, it was flying in the sky. OK, so he was flying back, uh, back to, to Luton. He seen it ahead of the plane and it actually vanished so quickly. It was just unreal. Now, is it, is it true that if pilots report these things, they get taken off for being nutjobs? Um, no, not always. No. I think not, not so much nowadays. Right. Yeah. I, it's I, I, a... I see what you're saying, but no, I mean, as I said, six years ago, we, I saw it with three engineers in the car park and this was about three in the morning. But this one we saw was Wednesday. Uh, you didn't get the cleaner involved, Leslie. I know. That was your and we first... didn't have the phone either on us yeah. at the time, because he called me upstairs quickly. It's like a big balcony to look out the window, and I, I ran up, and he goes, look at this, what is it, what is it? And I said, I don't know. It's about the size of the length it would have been if you put three seven sixes together. Yeah. Wingspan, it would have been about that size. Flip it, Nick. Leslie, listen, I appreciate that. Didn't get Wendy the cleaner involved, though. Gotta get Wendy the cleaner. Why didn't you call Wendy the cleaner, Leslie? We can speak now to Geoffrey Crockford, who is a biolocator who researches UFOs. What's a biolocator, Geoffrey? Well, he's somebody who uses the techniques of dowsing, but oh. in a uh, scientific, sort of rational way. Scientific dowsing. So um, we're able to 
to um, follow uh, stories of UFOs yeah. and the ones that interest us, of course, are where they might have landed. Ooh. Have, have you ever seen one, Geoffrey? I've never seen one. This is the thing. All these UFO experts never seen one. I've seen one twice. Ah, yes, but if it landed, oh. then uh, let us know where it landed, and we'll go along and tell you whether a UFO, in fact, did land there. With your dowsing rods? Um, we look at the chemical trace. It's the With exhaust rods. from the engines. Yes. They leave the chemicals in the soil. So all we've got to do is to identify those chemicals in the soil, and we know that the vehicle has landed. Where do you, um, whereabouts are you going to look for these landed UFOs? Well, the one that we've done is at Rendlesham Forest, which is a well-known UFO site. Yes. Um, there was an American base there, and uh, the Americans who were on guard on the particular night, this is back in 1980, um, December, uh, very good account of it. And um, a group of us went along there, and we actually found the landing site. We found the huh? stains from the engines. We found the chemical stains from the pods uh, or the feet that it's stood on. And Flip we were heck. able to confirm that in point A, a fact, a, uh, oh. an identified flying, flying object had landed there. And the chemicals they leave there, what kind of chemicals are they? I'm assuming they're unknown to mankind. Oh, no, no, they're well known. Oh, right, the, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the engines are what we call masers. They project um, a small amount of material at a very high velocity. Um, you know, a jet engine projects a whole mass of material at a low velocity. Right. And um, the chemicals that we look for are beryllium, copper, nitrate, and ammonia. They seem to be characteristic of the engines that they use. And we can look for these, <clears throat> say, at the Rendlesham site. We're hoping to do a site over in Wales in the uh, later summer. And we look at um, crop circles as well. Oh, no, Geoffrey, no. Crop circles, are, crop circles are fake. It's two blokes with a bit of wood. Everyone knows That's that. That's right, yeah. Uh, then why so are you looking can, at them? Because they leave a chemical trace, we can pick up the traces of their boards and their boots and their ropes. But if you don't find the boards and if you don't find the boots and you find beryllium or copper, ammonia, yeah. nitrate, oh, and a nice circle, and possibly um, the titanium Co from the... couple of empty the, bottles uh, of white lightning. ...the ship lands on, then you're pretty certain that something has uh, landed there. So, thank you very much for listening. That's it. That's your lot. Don't forget, if you want to... Listen to the show live. Uh, what's this? I've just read this contract properly, and it did look a bit scary. Yes. But you've written this, haven't you? Uh, uh, well, unless Bobby Davro is the head of the BBC this is week. That what I you've written this. Oh, so, uh, if you don't mind, I'll be. Uh, come on. Come on. It's just the thing is, it's my podcast. Oh, I would I like to do oh, the links on it. You're just it's news. It's terrible, isn't it? Barely that. Yeah. Boohoo. So, that's the end of the podcast. It was all right. Well, oh. It was all right, wasn't it? It would have been better with, I don't know, more sophisticated voiceover, but there you go. Join us another time for free. 
Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 